Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. We are back after a little break every time this year. This time of year, the office is closed. There's not a lot going on, but now we are officially close enough to training camp that we feel like we have this to talk about. During that week, were you trying not to think about the fact that when you got back, training camp would be right around the corner? A little bit. It's always a little bit like, oh, the offseason is already almost over. But then it's like, but it's exciting that the whole season is in front of you. And I think training camp is such a fun time, especially for our show, talking about all the different position battles Mm -hmm. and what the roster is going to look like. It's it's a very fun time to sort of speculate about that and think about what we're excited to watch at training camp. And so I know that is... The point of training camp in so many ways is to figure out when you mm-hmm. have 90, how you get down to 53 and you get to watch these, yeah. you know, maybe some undrafted guys that could sneak in there or different draft picks and what it could look like. So for you, what are the biggest things that you feel like you're going to be watching as it goes from the, the 90 to 53? Well, there's really two intertwined major goals of training camp and you just ma- named one of them. Take your 90 people that you take into in, on your roster into camp and fashion the best possible 53-man regular season roster. And then at the same time, you're trying to get your playbooks installed mm-hmm. so you're ready for the Dallas Cowboys and the teams that come after. Right. But first things you have to do is you have to get from 90 to 53. And um, here's an here's a possible way that that could be laid out. And it might not be exactly this. I do believe the Buccaneers go into camp with a goal of how many they want in each position. But sometimes you have to tweak it here and there depending on what you have and what you need and players being injured. You might keep nine offensive linemen or ten defensive backs or you may have to keep an extra receiver because Chris Godwin isn't quite ready to go and so you might lose a running back or a tight end. But this is a pretty typical um, layout of, of how you might get to 53 by position. Um, and so you can see by looking at that where the Buccaneers have the least and the most to trim. I mean, there's 13 wide wow. receivers. Now, a lot of those guys are uh, undrafted. You know, there's four or five undrafted free agents. And not to demean those guys, those undrafted free agents make it almost every year, but not all of them, right? So, and then look at all, you got 16 DBs. You might keep nine, you might keep 10. So there's some things to figure out there. But then at a place like tight end, You've only got six mm-hmm. at the moment, and you're probably keeping four. Could be five, could mm-hmm. be three. So yeah, inside this, linebacker. Yeah, yeah, inside linebacker. Exactly. There's like no fat to trim off that yeah. spot, particularly because when you look at it, it's Devin White, Levante David, your mm-hmm. obvious starters, and then your two draft picks from last year, KJ Britt and Grant Stewart, and then the only other two are a pair of undrafted free free agents. Uh, so. You know, that that's a spot where if you're in that group, you're feeling pretty good, probably. Right. So this just gives you an idea of where the competition is probably going to be the most heated. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And so now one of those spots you mentioned, tight end, we know mm-hmm. that's been very talked about, of course, because of Gronk and yeah. the retirement and then people hoping he was just kidding and then <laughs> yeah. him doing another interview that made it sound like he wasn't just kidding. No. And now you never know. We're just, we're always going <laughs> to, what, what was it they said about Brady? We're going to leave the light on that's for you. Right. I have the, an, the, I imagine that would be the case. Leave the door unlocked. Yeah, leave the door unlocked for Gronk. Mm. But it, Although he could probably get in even if it that's was true that's true Gronk feels like he could show up no matter what so now looking at that what do you think about the tight end position if we just let's go with the fact that Gronk doesn't come back I believe at all him. I believe yeah. him yeah I mean it looked like he wasn't having any fun at all why would he possibly <laughs> stay retired so looking at the fact that he's probably not coming back now what does that mean for this position mm-hmm. who's on the roster do you think they add someone from outside of it what do you think that position group is going to look like well I've been calling it the 90-man roster because that's what you take to camp but at the moment the Bucks only have 89 uh, after the uh, release of Bradley Pinion. So um, there is a spot open, and you don't leave a spot open. They will sign somebody. It could be mm-hmm. some, another undrafted free agent. It could be anybody, but they will sign somebody. They could use that spot to bring in another tight end. Last year, we took seven tight ends into training camp. This year, we only had four. 
I mean six. Um, so they could sign a veteran free agent because right now you have Cam Brait, who's great. We love him. He's got like 235 career catches. And then you've got five other guys who have combined for one career catch. So you may love Kate Otten. You may love Coquise. You may love these guys, but they're, they're not proven. Yeah. So the Bucks could go, let's get a proven option in here and see how it, what works out best. And I was just looking at the available tight ends that are out there that names you would recognize. And this is what I came up with as probably the five most recognizable names that remain unsigned. Um, what jumps out at me here is that most of these guys are pretty up there. Mm -hmm. You know, Jared Cook has had a really productive career. Yeah. And he even had 564 yards last year. So he's the most productive of the group from last year. But he's also 35, and he's basically been mostly a pass catcher, not yep. really much of a blocker. The youngest guy on the list is Blake Jarwin. Didn't have a lot of production last year because the Cowboys kind of have focused on Dalton Schultz. Right. But he did a few years ago have a couple productive years, so maybe that's an option. Eric Ebron and Kyle Rudolph, probably better blockers than Jared Cook. So maybe you're looking more in that direction. And I don't know if the Bucks are looking at any of these guys, but these are the most prominent names out there. And they, they all have something to offer but they all have well maybe he's a little bit you know he's he's a little bit up there or right. maybe he's not a great blocker or maybe he hasn't had a lot of production lately so um you know you just have to judge is does this guy have something that he can offer the team is there more possibly on the bone there than what they showed last year do you see <coughs> pass catching or blocking as being the priority because obviously if somebody is still an unsigned free agent the odds are they are not incredible at both yeah. or they, they wouldn't yeah, be unsigned right. they, they, so what would you say if someone is better at one than the other which one do you think the bucks need more of right i now? think ideally the bucks would like to find a, a tight end who they know can block well and then maybe add something in the passing game because Cam Braid is your number one tight end at the moment and he's had a great career and he's a good blocker but he's that's not been the main thing right he, his main thing is pass catching he's especially good in the red zone um, you know he's good at moving the chains he's reliable he's got great hands uh, he you know we love a lot about Cam mm -hmm. Braid but he's had to learn how to block during his NFL career, right? He didn't right. come in as a blocking tight end. Uh, so um, I think you would want to pair him with a guy that was a good blocker. Like if you're doing two tight end sets. Right. Uh, and then and the guy that could, that could give you blocking, but also perhaps be a little bit of a threat in the past game. And that could be Kate Otten. Mm -hmm. It could be. And, yeah. and that's why the Bucks drafted him in the fourth round and, and probably felt like they got a little bit of a steal. I know some draft analysts have said that was a little bit of a steal because due to terrible quarterback play at Washington last year and his own injuries, his last year wasn't as productive as the year before when he probably would have gone a little higher in the draft. So maybe the Bucks got a steal and he's a potential two-way tight end. But again, it's not proven, plus right. he hasn't practiced yet due to coming back from an injury. So it would maybe be nice to have a veteran option in that same mold and then just see which one works out best. Okay. <coughs> and then as we talk about some of the different positions, we mentioned tight end and some areas that you think guys could need to either step up or what it looks like now as you trim to your 53. Um, we know that JPP no longer a part of the team, and mm -hmm. so there are definitely some snaps up for grabs mm -hmm. in that position room. So how do you see that group shaking out in terms of the number of people that make the roster who's going to be stepping into the most production do you feel like there's anything that still needs yeah. to be added there you know last year we got a little bit of a break from this kind of conversation because the bucks famously after winning the super bowl brought everybody it back. really was not great for our show in the offseason we <laughs> were like, like well it's going to look like it yes. looked last remember year. last year's yeah. team that's what yeah. you got <laughs> so generally camps at every team every year have some battles 
like at right guard for the Bucks this year, and I mean left guard, and some places where you're expecting a younger guy to step up for a departed veteran. And in this case, I think the most prominent of those is Joe Tryon Shoyinka, the first round pick from 2021, who is probably going to step in as the other outside linebacker for Jason Pierre-Paul opposite Shaq Barrett. Now, last year, as has been the story that has, all the coaches have been telling about Joe, from his last year is that they really asked him to play a lot of different positions. They asked him to play a lot of different roles, and it was tough. It was tough for rookie. It's tough for rookie to learn and adapt at one spot, and to have to play inside and outside and drop off the ball sometimes. That was a lot on his plate, and he, he produced pretty well, but maybe not as much as you're hoping for this year. Now, presumably, he's going to get a shot to stick and, and to focus at one of the outside linebacker positions, be an edge rusher, and the Buccaneers are hoping he'll blossom in that. And Shaq Barrett during the offseason during minicamp was glowing about uh, Joe and saying he thinks he's capable of getting double-digit sacks this season, which would be cool because we know Shaq Barrett uh, is a very good shot at getting very down, right? He's done, it, yep. he's done it two out of the three years that he's been with the team and just missed it the other year. So you would not be surprised at all if Shaq Barrett got 10 sacks, right? Mm -hmm. If Joe also did, that would be two multi, be multi yeah, and the Bucks have only had that twice in their whole history. Wow. 97 with Sapp and Chidi Anatu, and 2000 with Sapp and Marcus Jones. But it's really actually not all that uncommon. It's happened for at least two teams every year for the past 19 years. Wow. I know, I was shocked when I looked it yeah, up. Yeah, that's surprising. I started, I'm going to go to this graphic first, and I'll get back to that, but... This is a list of all the players in team history who have at least 20 sacks, because I didn't want to include maybe some guy who had one sack in one game or something. Right. Uh, Shaq has the highest rate of sacks per game at .82, uh, even a little bit more than Simeon Rice, who wow. is the most decorated pass rusher. Him and Leroy Selman are the most decorated pass rushers in team history. And Shaquille Barrett has more sacks per game than, than all of them. It's pretty incredible. And if you multiply that out for 17 games, it's close to 14 sacks. So he's obviously a very good right. bet to get 10. Now getting back to what I was saying before, um, yeah, two teams, like last year I think it was Pittsburgh and Arizona, had at least two guys that had double-digit sacks. And at least two teams have had that for 19 straight years. I started looking it up to see how common it was. I couldn't believe I had to keep going. It took me like half an hour to look this, this note yeah, up. That's so interesting. I would have not thought. But it, it also shows how important it is. Yeah, and I think what it really shows is that when you have two good or more than two good edge rushers, they really help each other. Yeah. Like, because you can't just say, we're going to double team this guy every right. time, right? So somebody's always getting a better opportunity when you have a real threat on both sides. And now I think that especially how strongly the Bucks feel about their in interior linemen could also help with that as you look For at sure. what they're going to have to do about Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea and then hopefully Logan Hall as well, that that's going to also help them. Hey. So again, you have two incredible edge rushers and guys like that yeah. in the middle. I would not want to be an offensive lineman for the other team. Yeah, yeah and, and then don't, don't even sleep on Devin White, who's a great blitz right. linebacker who had nine sacks two seasons ago. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. All right, well, we're going to look at a few of the questions we have here. Um, we have, let's see, Gerald wanted to know, uh, which receivers do you see us keeping? Okay. Yeah, you know what? This is actually the probably the most discussed topic at every single training camp. Because mm -hmm. like we showed before, there's always a ton of them. Right. Because they just have so many reps, mm -hmm. and they're running hard on every play. So yeah, you need a bunch. You need a ton of receivers. So I think we saw we had 13. Mm -hmm. A common total is six. Um, so, it, you know, every year. And then so, during camp, one guy will look great for yep. a week, and one guy, it's hard to sustain, though. So mm -hmm. sometimes you get really excited about some rookie, and then by the end of August, you're like, well. Yeah. 
I would say, obviously, I would think there's a decent chance to keep Mike Evans, right? That feels, I mean, I, I know you're going out on a limb here, <laughs> but yeah, that feels like a good idea. I'm going to play the odds on Chris Godwin and say he's not ready for the start of the season, mm. quite ready. But he's not so far away that they want to put him on PUP. At and first, him. I thought you were about to say that he wasn't going to be on the, the oh, team, and I was like, "No." I, I, I was I, like, "I think that big contract I we gave him." Trust your opinion on these <laughs> things, but I was going to say something. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I would guess that he's not going to. They don't think he's going to miss the first six games. I hope that's the case. Right. So he won't be on PUP. So I'm playing the odds in the middle there, which means he has a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Buccaneers probably end up keeping seven okay. because he's not ready right. to play. Russell Gage. I think is pretty much a lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, then let's just lay out what we're talking about here. We're talking about Scotty Miller. We're talking Jalen Darden. We're talking Rashad Perryman. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Uh, uh, the rookie Devin Tompkins had a nice camp. I'm almost certain I'm forgetting somebody right now. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, so we got the three that I already said. And then all those guys. I guess keep four more. Tyler. Scotty, I think Jalen probably ends up winning the, the kick return job again, so he's there for that reason. So that's six. And then one other from among Brashad Perryman, De- Devin Tompkins. I just feel like I'm forgetting somebody right now, but I, know. I hope not. I think, yeah, that seems like a reasonable group. Uh, okay, our, this is sort of related. Um, for some reason, I don't think the name is popping up, but it says uh, from the undrafted rookie wide receivers and DBs, who do you think has the best chance of making the roster? Yeah, well, I mean, the best evidence that we have on the receivers is that Coach uh, Bowles, when asked about, you know, some young guys that had stood out, and generally with questions like that, he answers more broadly, like a lot of guys did well, right? Because right. if you point out one guy, then you're not pointing out other guys. And sometimes you don't even want people to know 100%. that someone's doing really well. You yeah. want to stash them on your practice squad, or you're wanting to, the guys, you know. he, The guys that you don't want people talking about aren't the guys you know are going to make the team or the guys you're pretty sure aren't going to make the team. It's the guys yeah. in the bubble. Yep. You don't want people finding out about them. But Coach specifically brought up the young undrafted rookie out of Utah or Utah State, uh, Devin Tompkins, mm-hmm. who had just enormous numbers last year, as did a, a, a bunch of our undrafted free agent right receivers. And he apparently really impressed during OTAs and minicamp. And Coach says he was very excited to see what he does in um, training camp when the pad's gone. Okay. So on the other side, I think you'd have to go with the North Carolina cornerback Kyler McMichael because of all the undrafted free agents that the Buccaneers signed, and we don't really get into numbers of salaries very much. That's kind of almost like a team policy. Like we don't talk about guys' salaries. Right. Uh, we'll say they got a big contract like Chris Godwin or something like that. But we do know that of all the undrafted rookies, whom you can give any amount of signing bonus that you want to, essentially, mm-hmm. that he got by far the highest signing bonus, which is guaranteed money because you've already given it to him. Right. Right. So he got by far the most guaranteed money of any of the guys that the Buccaneers signed, which means he was a very coveted guy and um, among not just the Bucks but other teams. Right. So this is a guy that obviously comes in with you know, a lot of expectations. Okay. Not necessarily to make the team, but he would probably have the best chance, I would think. Okay, and speaking of <coughs> contract stuff, uh, James had asked how much cap space is the team sitting on? Last time I looked, it was about 11 or $12 million. It'll probably cost, you know, a couple to get our last two uh, um, drafted guys under contract, but uh, it's somewhere around that, 11 or $12 million, which is not a terrible number. I think I remember seeing it was right about the middle of the pack, like 17th right. in the league in terms of cap space. And you think about that, you go, okay, well, what are we going to spend that on before the season starts? And maybe that happen. We talked about maybe signing a tight end. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not the end of the world to go into 
the season with a little cap space left over. A, because if you're in the thick of it and you need to make a trade, you have some cap space to work with. Right. And B, if you if you don't spend the cap space, you can roll it over to the next year. So you don't have to rush out and make right. sure that you use every penny of your cap space. All right, we'll close with this. Rike said, who is projected to start opposite Winfield Jr.? That's a very good question, and I think the answer isn't going to be just one name. Mm. Um, it, you could make it simple and say Antoine Winfield is probably the, st the starting free safety. Right. They're a little bit interchangeable in this defense and in most defenses nowadays, but I think Winfield's Winfield would be a great strong safety, but his his awareness and the way he cleans up plays as a free safety are just too important to mm -hmm. move him. So Jordan Whitehead was basically more of the sa strong right. safety has departed. So you look at who's more of a Jordan Whitehead type player. It's definitely it, so it could be Keanu Neal, mm -hmm. right? Because he's more yeah, and when you played him as a linebacker at some yeah. point, that feels he's a hitter and he's good in the yeah. box. Uh, but Mike Edwards is obviously such a good ball hawk and. Coaches have said this offseason that they became more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, more confident <laughs> in his open field tackling, oh, okay. which may have been a bit of an issue for him earlier in his career. But as he gets better at that, then you check it off and you're like, you don't worry about him putting. As you've seen, he's he often switched with Jordan Whitehead and came in in more obvious passing downs. Mm. Can you leave him in for every down, right. even expected running downs? So, if you just want to make it a one-to-one -one competition, it would probably be Keanu Neal and Mike Edwards. But what I think will probably more likely happen is that the Buccaneers will have a variety of packages uh, using the versatility of guys like Mike Edwards and Logan Ryan, and you have Keanu Neal. And I think you're just going to see different sub-packages. Interesting. So it's not maybe just one answer to this question. Okay, well that's going to do it for us on Buccaneers <coughs> Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks so much for the awesome questions and mm -hmm. for being with us, and we'll see you next week.